Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash dissonance pod for your free audiobook download. Hey everyone, Cecil here from Cognitive Dissonance. We have just 12 short days until the apocalypse. After that, uh, we are going to be giving a large sum of money donated by incredible listeners to Doctors Without Borders. Uh, This is the last sort of push uh, as we close in on the final date. So if you haven't given yet, uh, if you're thinking about, you know, this is your Christmas time charity drive gift that you normally give, uh, consider giving it to Doctors Without Borders. You can donate through our website. It's dissonancepod.com, left-hand side, Apocalypse Without Borders widget. Click on there, and uh, and it'll take you to a PayPal page. You pay directly to PayPal, and that money is, all of it, is going to Doctors Without Borders on the 22nd. Uh, we're hoping that we can break the $7,000 uh, mark. We are at right this point with Tom Tom's money and my money that's going in uh, right before we close we are close to $6,500. We are hoping that in the next 12 days, we can we can gather up $500 more to make a $7,000 check given to Doctors Without Borders. We want to thank, again, the listeners who are so generous with their money. And for all those who are considering donating, please donate soon. advise that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at. This is episode 77 of Cognitive... Double sevens! Double sevens. It's got to... When we have three sevens in a row, Cecil, we line up those three sevens. <laughs> three like, sevens? Shit just pours Wait a out. Second. Three sevens? How many years is that of doing the podcast? Just, <laughs> whatever, man. It's an order of yeah. magnitude yeah, it's, long. Yeah, it's you know, only it, one more order of magnitude, so... It's that's not a what, big deal like because it's weeks. a one. That's like three and a half weeks later. We'll be at. We can just fucking rename it whatever we want to. <laughs> I mean, we control whether or not it's like episode eighty five. People are like, well, what happened to episode eighty four through seventy eight? Well, sorry, those are the unknown episodes. Those are the lost yeah, episodes. Those are like Jesus's years from the time he was born <laughs> till right before. You know, it's just like. Ah, it's lost yeah, we, tape. We don't have you know, a, it's like it got Watergated. Yeah, we don't have an episode it's lost tape. one through 33. Sorry. Yeah, wait, th- we should just rename this one like this is episode three cherries. <laughs> like three, three bars. <laughs> three bars. This is episode three bars. We're going to definitely win somehow with that. In the name of Jesus, we speak that. The uh, first story we're going to cover is from the Friendly Atheist blog. 
Um, this story is just so fucking sad and stupid. Christian school kicks out disabled student for needing a service dog. Um, now, as everybody is, I'm sure, aware, if you're a uh, religious school, you don't have to follow some of the basic mandates for human decency <laughs> outlined by every state and federal agency. Yep. Because you're exempt, yep. including providing service dogs for students. Yep. That's what Sean Faircloth talks extensively about in his book when he talks about daycares and how they can sidestep guidelines and rules and regulations that are set up for every other daycare institution in the state. If you're religious, you get to have people that are less qualified, uh, less people on staff, that sort of thing. So this is another example of how they get to sidestep rules and regulations because they get to rely on not being a public place. We're not a public place where everyone can come in. Therefore, we don't have to be handicapped accessible. And that... Uh, I think if you're going to be running a school, you should at least be able to accept all of the people. That's like saying blacks aren't allowed. Right. And, you know, th that's the thing is a private institution can make you know, they, they can make decisions that are not in the best interests of uh, the community that they're in. Right. I mean, like the Ku Klux Klan is allowed to operate. Sure. They're not disallowed right. from operating. They're clearly not in the best interest of a community. Um, in this case, this religious school um, basically kicked out a fifth grade student, a 10, 11 year old girl. Um, this girl has uh, severe juvenile diabetes. She's got a dog. And this is kind of amazing. I know. This is the best part of the story. The dog can sense when her blood sugar is low and it can alert her before she goes into, you know, diabetic shock and, you know, seizures and coma. I mean, like, this is an amazing fucking thing. Like, the dog is, it is it is a triumph of human and animal interaction for medical for medical reasons. And it, the school is basically saying, well, yeah, it could be distracting and somebody might be allergic to I it. I gotta ask a question, and this is, I'm not trying to be a cock, but I've gotta ask a question. How much, how deeply is the science of dogs being able to tell that sort of thing, uh, how deeply is that studied? Because I wonder how much, because um, there's that there's that uh, fallacy that counting Hans or whatever it is, where the 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 horse counts because it waits for the human's eyes to move or look approvingly at it, like you've reached the correct number. I wonder how much double blind study has been done with dogs and their senses to tell when humans are. You know, with a tumor or something. I wonder how deep that science is. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I don't either. You know, I have read some, I have read some, like news articles and what have you, um, that have that have uh, talked about using dogs to find uh, gemstones in mines, uh, because different, I guess, different uh, gemstones will have a different odor no to them because of their chemical makeup. No, their their sense of smell is is just oh, vastly, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, vastly I know. better. It's yeah. like, you know, not even in the city. It's like, it's like they have a different sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, because it is such a huge... So I've, I've heard of that um, being used. I've heard them, you know, I think you're referring to, like, um, I've heard of them using it to sniff out certain cancers. Yeah. Um, because the cancerous tumors may have a different right. odor. You, you know, I guess... I don't know. I don't know how accurate those things are. I know that there's been a lot of um, uh, discussion and controversy over the use of police dogs 
in uh, sniffing out drugs right, right. Um, because they can misinterpret their handler. Yeah, yeah that, that yeah handler. It's a handler syndrome where the handler makes it seem like there's something there, so the dog will react to the handler acting in a right. certain way. And that, and that gemstone thing starts to make sense because I know that chocolate diamonds smell like yuppies. Like they just do. <laughs> so that makes sense to me. Well, and blood diamonds clearly have an odor. <laughs> blood diamonds. You know, it's oh, like, God. hmm. He's oh, no. just licking that they one. They smell like human That's... suffering. <laughs> <laughs> they smell like suffering oh, and degradation. Mmm, no. <laughs> smells like exploitation. Oh, no. Um, so, so the administrators kick this girl out, and she goes to where? A public school. Right. And the public school accepts her because that's what we have to do in public school. Well, you have to. You have to. Because yeah. there's a recognition that, that, that when you, uh, in the public sphere, that when you have somebody who needs aid, who needs assistance, who has, you know, got some kind of a special need, that you make all reasonable uh, gestures to help that person, to provide the services in order for the girl to get an education. You know, and you, you look at this and you transpose what if you were to have a strictly voucher school system and there was nowhere for her to go? If there were no public school, where would she go? Who would she turn to for aid? Who would she turn to for an education? Clearly, this religious institution who's on their website, it says transformed by love, empowered to serve. Not if you have juvenile diabetes and need a dog to help you. Turns out. Uh, I, I do want to point out somebody tweeted back at us like they didn't see a problem with this institution doing this. And I, to be honest, if you're a private institution, yeah, I guess you don't – you know, I wouldn't see a problem technically with a private institution to do this either. But I also don't see a problem calling out that private institution as an institution that's not being uh, handicapped accessible. Right. I, think, I think that there's absolutely nothing wrong with a private institution like a, like a school like this that's taking private funds uh, – to do something like this. But I also think that it's our job to point out that they're not willing to take that step to allow a handicapped person in their in their uh, in their school. And one of the things that a, another person tweeted was, well, what if people are allergic to the dog? And this article even addresses this. It says public schools make this accommodation because it's in the best interest of the student who needs the help. And and they they also make any accommodations for students who can't be near the dog. It may be a logistical nightmare, but it's the right thing to do for everyone involved. So the article answers your question. So when you tweeted back at us, what if they're allergic? Well, it's in the yeah, article. Just read it. Read it. <laughs> <laughs> Too long, didn't read. <laughs> Have you always wanted to win the lottery? Do you suffer from chronic poverty syndrome? Do you have real problems that are too much work to actually work on? Would you rather pretend to help than actually help? Prayer might be right for you. This story is from uh, WassawDailyHerald.com. Lawyers to ask Supreme Court to rule in prayer death case. Um, this will be interesting for this to go to the Supreme Court. Um, this is a story about a couple who prayed. Um, they had a daughter who had uh, diabetes, died from diabetes, incredibly treatable diabetes. Well, hold on now. Incredibly treatable by prayer? No, it turns out it's treatable. <laughs> you know what's treatable by prayer? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> is treatable by prayer. <laughs> yeah. So they, they prayed over their kid, uh, which, you know, did nothing, and the kid dies. Um, and now it's going to the uh, Supreme Court. 
Um, and the, the question at hand, of course, is whether or not um, your religious freedoms um, al- should allow you to watch your child slowly suffer and die while you pray over them, or if you should be forced to provide them with medical care. Um, and I kind of can't wait to see how this goes. Yeah, it's interesting. It says uh, it says in here, um, the, the couple's 11-year daughter, and I'm reading directly from this uh, Wausau Daily Herald article. It says the, the couple's 11-year-old daughter, uh, Mag- Madeline Kara Newman, whom the family called Kara, fell ill in 2008 of March. Believing the girl was under a spiritual attack, the family prayed over her. She died Easter Sunday of an undiagnosed but treatable form of diabetes, a treatable form of diabetes. And also in this article, Tom, it says at least 18 states have laws that provide parents with some form of legal protection if they choose to try to heal their child through, the, through prayer rather than medical service. So 18 states in the union hate children. Yeah, that's, there's, there's no I mean, other way around that. Yeah, I mean, you, you hate children. You, you're putting the, the, uh, the spiritual needs of an adult in front of the health concerns of a child. And I, I think anytime you you put the you, you've got you've got two two different I mean I, I can see I can see how they're at odds certainly I mean but you on the one hand you have you know uh, adults who are uh, capable of acting with complete agency right they're right. they're grown ass men and women they can make choices about their own lives I don't want to step in if some adult if some eighteen year old nineteen year old twenty year old person or older says, you know, I have diabetes, but I'm going to make a choice as an adult to not treat my diabetes and to pray instead. I don't give no fucks. All out of fucks to give. Can't find one even under the couch cushions. Yeah, no kidding. Right. I couldn't even fucking get a loan of a <laughs> right. to give. But when you have somebody who doesn't have agency over their own medical care and the religious decisions of an adult are going to have ramifications on the health of a child... Uh, no, absolutely not. I, I fail to see how this is different than saying I should be able to punch my child's face. Here's another thing that you've said a million times. Can't you fucking take the child to the emergency room and pray? What is stopping you from taking the child to the emergency room? And I'll tell you what's stopping you is you don't think it's a medical condition. Right. Because they clearly didn't think it was a medical condition. Right. But then the other thing is, is that they... Uh, in, in a way, you, you've got to understand that they did, because I'm going to read directly from the article again. It says, noting, here's the thing, they're trying to get by by saying that they didn't know that something was wrong, basically. That's what they're trying to say. I'm going to read here. It says, noting that they sent out a mass email the night before Kara died, telling others she was in poor shape and knew the girl had stopped talking, collapsed in the bathroom, turned blue, and lapsed into a coma. Oh God. Like, what did you put on Facebook? Like, if this gets 100,000 likes, God will cure my child? <laughs> like, is that what you put on there? And also, here's the fucking thing. Coma is no longer fucking home care. I don't care what fucking life you live. The only coma that's a home care is hospice care. That's it. That's the only 
time you're you should ever be in coma in a coma and at a fucking house is when you're almost dead. Right. Unless you fucking put a hospice up, like unless you're saying this is my this is where my child is eleven year old child is going to die, then you are fucking doing it wrong. Get your coma child to the fucking emergency room. Pray on the way, pray while you're there, go out to your car and pray during intermission, but don't fucking keep your child at home so they die. Well, any faith healing home is hospice care. Yeah, no kidding, nowadays, right? Welcome to our hospice. (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. It is. And you know, also ridiculous is this woman's sideburns. I'm just throwing that out there. Hey, man, you don't... She rocks them. God damn. She rocks the sideburns. She's like Starburns. (laughs) Those are big, they are huge side. They're longer they're, than her husband's sideburns. They look like a chin strap. <laughs> She's gonna meet in the middle. She had to tie them underneath her with a bow. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a sideburn hajib. <laughs> we Lord, we just asked it to be covered with the blood of Jesus. Open hearts, Lord. Open hearts. This story is from the Daily Mail. I know the Daily Mail. We say that I every know. time. <laughs> we we have, get mail every we time. We have a bumper for the Daily Mail. <laughs> Mother and stepfather beat to death her seven-year-old son for not reading his Bible. Um, This story is fucking awful. Um, Seven-year-old boy, seven years old, seven, like first, maybe second grade, depending on when the birthday pops. So just throwing that out there. Like somebody who cannot ride this ride yet. Yeah, Whatever the ride is, they are (laughs) as yet unable to ride this ride. They need accompaniment in the fucking teacups at this point. Like seven years old, like you can't even go to the bathroom in a public place by yourself. Like somebody still has to go in there with you to make sure you don't fucking accidentally piss yourself. Well, maybe that's a little extreme, but still. Yeah. Mother and father beat to death her seven-year-old son for not reading his Bible. Um, They charged with murder. Good. Um, Roderick Arrington, seven, taken to University Medical Center in Las Vegas, unconscious with brain swelling. Oh, God. Definitely should have read his Bible more. You got you to hand it to the parents. They did yeah. not spare the rod. No, they certainly didn't. It says here Roderick's whole body and open wounds on his buttocks, allegedly from a beat from being beaten with a belt. The police report also revealed that Roderick was violently shaken by his stepfather. Oof. He's not a vinaigrette. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> He's a human being. Damn you, emulsify. Yeah. Fucking A, man. There's a part two here at the bottom. It says, uh, this person told the police that she had repeatedly hit her son with a paddle and a belt last month, what was described as whoopins. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the couple admitted to the police that they had regularly beaten the child for not reading the Bible or finishing the homework. And I think, like, that's like beating on your DVD player because it's not working. Like, you can't beat on a sensitive <laughs> item and expect it to do better. You can't Fonzie a kid and do better behavior. Like, you can't just be like, hey, get to fucking work, huh? Hey. It doesn't work like that. It's a fucking human being. Right. You can't just beat the kid and expect to expect better results. You're not learning fast enough. That's because you've ruined my brain by yeah. shaking me violently. <laughs> hey. Like, wait, this is not, you would think that you would, I don't even if you were a fucking evil enough to try this, you would think that after beating your kid a little bit. You would not want to beat your kid anymore. Like, it, it's not working. It's not yielding the result you want. They're clearly not, they're still not reading their Bible. Oh gosh. Like, try something else. It, you don't just step up the beatings until they die. 
you really have to lay the fucking beats down on somebody to open wounds on them oh, with a belt. Can you imagine I mean, hitting some kid with a belt hard enough to create an open wound? Yeah. I mean, I realize that, you know, you're still a kid and your your skin is very thin. As a child, you're like a small little egg at that point. <laughs> but <laughs> but really, thing. you can still, you would have to fucking lay into them. Yeah. I mean, you know, even, even I and I come back to this all the time, Tom, I can't even think of treating a dog like this. You know, a lower animal, a lower species, a fucking right. chicken. I wouldn't treat a chicken like this. If I owned a chicken and it didn't peck at its Bible enough, I wouldn't beat it with a belt until it developed wounds that were open. Well, isn't that funny, and I don't though? I like chickens because I eat them all the time. Wait. Damn you, Nugget. If I had a chicken, I would name it Nugget. I just I, would. Yeah. Sure. But, you know, isn't that funny, though? You, you wouldn't do that to an animal because you would recognize that that's not an effective way to treat an animal. Like, it's just right. even regardless of the moral implications in beating a helpless creature, you know, you, you would recognize, like, this is an ineffective way to train an animal. There are better and more effective ways to get a, a semi-conscious, sentient thing to do the thing that you want it to do. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no animal that you just be like, well— I don't know why it's not working. I've hit it very, very hard. <laughs> what's, yeah. what's happening here? Yeah. The brain that, swelling also slows down things. Too. Yeah. It, I mean, it really just does. And come on, the Bible's fucking boring. Yeah, no kidding. Can you kidding. imagine when you were seven being asked to read the Bible? Oh, and Jehum begat who's the blah. Like, I don't fucking care. I'm seven. Yeah. I want to watch Kick Batowski. I like, want to watch fucking me? Power Rangers, you know? Like, I want to fight. I want to play with, a, like, a fake sword. I want to play with my G.I. Joe guys. Like, I couldn't imagine, could not imagine being forced to read stuff like that. And this is, this is the type of thing that we, you know, when you scare the shit out of these parents with hell, yeah. with the threat of eternal damnation, uh, they bring this home. And this is the seeds that you get to, you know, sow later on because they bring it home and then they're so terrified that their own child is going to go to hell that they do things like this. And when you're propagating that myth, this is the natural result. I mean, if it, these people are probably more Christian than a lot of other people out there. Well, sure. And the Bible supports beating your children. Yes. It, it doesn't maybe support it. No. It actively promotes beating your children. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I guess way to go. Yeah. I mean, if I you're, like if you're looking for a religious fundamentalist of the year award with the child with the biggest brain because <laughs> of swelling. Swollen, swollen brain <laughs> child. Oh, no. You win. It's like an Oscar, but it's got a really big head it's that's sort of cracked. Yeah. Form, yeah. Uh, like, it's all slopped over and yeah. flopped. Buttocks yeah. are torn open. Yeah, buttocks torn open. But just like an Oscar in other ways. Other, it's so exactly it's, like it's an exactly Oscar. It's exactly like it. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing too that we've got to we've got to recognize that there's that there's that that people I think sometimes will do something really awful and then blame it on the uh, say they did it for the Bible because they think that's the way to get out of it to say, right. oh, well, I did it because the Bible wanted me to do it because the Bible is revered as this sort of ethical document. But if you take that away from people, what do they say then? Well, I just fucking got really frustrated, beat the shit out of my kid. Yeah. I don't like being a parent. And it turns out I'm not good at it. So, Tom, we had listeners call in this week for uh, a 
Conservapedia bumper. So here's our first try at the Conservapedia bumper. Our segment is called What the Actual Fuck Conservapedia. What the actual fuck? What the actual fuck? What the fuck? What the actual fucking fuck fuck? What the actual... The actual flying fuck. What the actual fuck? What the actual fuck is this conservatoria bullshit? What the what? 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 What the actual fuck conservatoria? Noah's Ark. Tools used in the construction. Technology used by Noah was most probably comparable to technology used by ancient Egyptians. Did Noah cut out the ark with an adze? Some illustrations show an old bearded Noah chipping away at a log with an adze. Some portray Noah belonging to a primitive culture of nomadic herdsmen who never made anything more advanced than a tent pole and a clay bowl. The evidence disputes this. From the dawn of civilization, which is really the second dawn after the flood, Man's ingenuity and technical achievements are astounding, so much so that they are considered ancient mysteries or even evidence of high-tech alien visitations. The evolutionary mindset implies a gradually increasing level of technology, which suddenly boomed a few centuries ago. Not so in the diggings. Some of the most ancient Egyptian artifacts defy a simple explanation for their manufacture. From the precisely machined granite vase to the huge accurate pyramids and buildings. And these are the bits that survived some 4,000 years. Construction time. The Bible does not really tell us an exact number of years for the amount of time it took to construct this monstrous vessel. However, the first mention of Noah in Genesis 5.32 says, Noah was 500 years old. And then in 7.6 it says, now Noah was 600 years old when the flood of water came upon the earth. But concerning God's relationship with man, the Bible says this. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Though some suggest that this was a reference to human life expectancy post-flood, others point out that the life expectancy of man did not decline abruptly, but gradually over at least 15 generations. So the 120 years might also refer to a prophetic warning given 120 years in advance of the Great Flood. So it can really only be said that it took a maximum of 120 years to construct the ark, from the time God had given him the command to when he actually finished and was in the ship. Criticisms. Objections to Noah's Ark include the following. A lack of room for all the animals, usually on the basis of the biblical reference to kinds being the same as species. Supporters of the account reject that kinds is to be equated with species, so use a much lower number. The difficulty of the eight humans on board to care for all the creatures on board. The difficulty some animals would have getting unaided to or from the ark, especially those adapted to a specific habitat. Young Earth creationists have written a number of responses to such criticisms, such as John Woodmorp's Noah's Ark, a feasibility study, which argues that kinds is not to be equated with species, and that there would be, therefore, a much smaller number of creatures on the Ark, and that there are ways that the humans on board could have cared for all the creatures on board. 
Creationary geologists have also pointed out that much of the Earth's geology is sedimentary rocks, as one would expect from a global flood. And Cecil, I think we do at this point have to bring up that this show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment with over 100,000 titles to choose from. Um, We want to talk about a a book that you and I have both listened to. Um, We both very much liked and we can recommend wholeheartedly to our audience. Um, This is Denialism, How Irrational Thinking Hinders Scientific Progress harms the planet, and threatens our lives. It's by Michael Spector. It's available on Audible. It's, it's only one credit, so um, or it's free if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash dissonancepod. You can download a free audiobook by going to audiblepodcast.com slash dissonancepod. Um, and this would be a good book to burn a credit on or to uh, uh, use your free book on, because I, I enjoyed this very much. Yeah, I thought this book was great. There's a lot of people who want to believe that there's a a conspiracy, uh, a lot of conspiracies, not just one, but many conspiracies out there. And one of them is one of them that he talks about that I really liked was the Viox. Yeah, it was uh, the cool. company Pfizer made this, this this product called Viox. Big Pharma creates a product that is actually harmful to some people, and you get a chance to sort of see the inside of how that works. What he figured he he went and interviewed people and talked to people and figured out how they actually. Uh, decided to take that off the market, how it, it was found out that Vioxx was causing uh, problems in certain a certain population of people who were taking the product, the pain reliever that they were that they were prescribing. So uh, and it's not it's not what a lot of people think, which is big pharma will just is, is out to kill you. It's uh, big this slipped through big pharma's cracks in some ways and they weren't out to kill people and they immediately removed it from the market it was a huge seller they immediately removed it from the market the moment they find out it's it's injuring certain a certain subsect of people so that's that's one of them he talks about uh, genetically modified foods in this uh, there's it's there's just great stuff in this book uh, and it's and it's totally worthwhile it, it, it comes at a lot of these a lot of the problems people have with scientific progress vaccines organic stuff, uh, echinacea, and it goes after all the stuff that people want to believe, and talks about it in a scientific way, and really sort of debunks a lot of a lot of common thoughts. So it's definitely worth your time. You can go and download it right now if you don't have an Audible account. Go to our website dissonancepod.com. There's an Audible link right on that page. Click on it, and you can download it. Sign up for Audible. Get a free book. Denialism might be that book. So this story is from alternate.org. What? Texas Church offers firearms classes to defend against imaginary bands of Mexicans. <laughs> and oh. then the subtitle underneath it, would Jesus pack heat, is pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, they answer that in the article. Yes, he would. Um, and this is a, uh, there are evidently uh, churches in Texas, um, specifically the uh, Heights Baptist Church in San Angelo, Texas, um, is offering concealed firearms training. Um, and one of their rationales, Cecil, is that uh, you never know when when illegal immigrants are going to bust through your door <laughs> and you'll have to gun them down <laughs> in defense of your life just because it's never happened. Right, right. Does it mean that it will never happen? Yeah, there's a, there's a part of this article I want to read. And as Tom said, this is from Alternate. Uh, it says, we're about 150 miles from the border with Mexico, and they're very unsure about our in, our insecure borders. And I want to say, okay, well, you know, 
what? That's 150 miles away. So they bust in the door dehydrated after six days of walking? Like, right. I, it's 150 <laughs> miles away. And maybe what, maybe what they're they, all ultra marathoners. No, you know what they did, Tom? They tunneled there. And they wind up, they tunnel 150 miles and they break up right, right under the altar. And then suddenly you have mole men Mexicans that you have to shoot to death. They're tunneling the hi-ho, hi-ho, <laughs> it's to America we go. <laughs> We've got to go 150 miles over the fucking border for no reason to San Angelo, Texas to break into a church and threaten them. Hi-ho, hi-ho, hi-ho. <laughs> for free health care. <laughs> Um, I, you know, the other thing, too, here, it says, um, I'm going to read directly from the article. It says, personally, I feel more secure that that should our worship time be interrupted by a life-threatening intrusion, that we would at least stand some kind of chance of either stopping of stopping either a mass killing or a terrorizing experience. And and you want to say, OK, well, that, first off, that doesn't make any sense because there's so little chance of that happening. That somebody's going to kick in the door. I mean, uh, somebody just leaves the border. They travel 150 miles into America, and instead of being cons- like less conspicuous, because you know what are they trying to do when they when illegal immigrants come in? They're going to try to be as fucking as as loud and as crazy as possible so they could get kicked out. No, they're going to try to blend in, right? right. Like, isn't the point of being an illegal immigrant <laughs> to hide in America to try to like live in America to stay here? No, they're going to bust into a church 150 miles from the border and shoot you dead. I mean, really, are you that worried about the world? Are you that afraid of the world? This guy probably doesn't even want to leave the house with his French cuff shirts because his cuff link might get caught into a door and he'll get dragged to death. Like that's, <laughs> like that's as probable that's as probable. a Mexican kicking your door down and shooting you all to death. You, you may as well wear a bee suit everywhere you go yeah. because killer bees could attack <laughs> at any moment. A bee suit. You're like, <laughs> when they come at you like dancing, you're like moving your butt. You're like, no, no, the human to kill is over there. <laughs> I guess I'm... <laughs> I didn't think of it as a suit to look like a bee. I was thinking of like one of those apiary suits. Oh no, I was thinking like a bee suit. Like you <laughs> mix like in, you so mix. Much better. Yeah, no, yeah. That's a better joke if he has a stinger on his ass. <laughs> He's doing the little dance to show him where the yeah, pollen's exactly. at. You know? He's wiggling his stinger. He's like, human over there. <laughs> Kill the human. And they're like, oh, King Bee has told us where the human is. Also, you know King what's funny about this is like He's talking about somebody breaking into their worship time. So basically breaking into the church to shoot them while they're in church in a mass killing. And the funny thing is the only time that I can think of, and I could be wrong, but the only time I can think of that happened was at the Sikh temple. And that wasn't done by Mexicans. Well, then it was Wisconsin? Well, yeah. I mean, like, that's a little far from the border, isn't like, it? That's, that's, <laughs> that's as far from the border as you could, like, from a north-south perspective. Yeah. <laughs> If you go more north than than Wisconsin, that's a different country. Yeah. Like, yeah. that is not, you're not even playing America any longer. No kidding. So it wasn't like some immigrant busted into that Sikh church and, and shot up the, the joint. You know, that's, it's just, it's fucking crazy. Like, this is part of that, that fucking super crazy, somehow militant and, and militaristic uh, Christianity that's, Kind of sweeping the nation in parts of the uh, parts of the South and Southwest, it feels like. Yeah, it it doesn't make any sense. It's it's based in this in this sort of hyper paranoia about the other. Yeah, and it's, walking around with a gun in church doesn't strike me as making you more safe. It's exactly what you say here, Tom. That's great. That's a great point. What does it say about the narrative that's going through their head about immigrants? I mean, just immigrants in general, not just not illegal immigrants. 
What do they think about a, a normal person who has gone through the immigration process from Mexico? Probably not much. Right. But they don't think anything of that. Yeah. Because they think that the illegals are here coming in 150 miles. What are they? Are they on tanks? How do they get 150 miles in? That's what I want to know. What did they fucking hang glide there? I don't understand how they. It's. We're talking about a major militaristic push to get 150 miles in armed and ready to kill someone. Right. And what would the advantage be? Like. You 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 struggle across the border, like yeah. you you either you either pay a uh, you know a human smuggler like a coyote or whatever to get you across the border, or you you know you undergo that uh, trek across the desert yourself, or however you choose to make it across the border, and you do this with the sole intention of mass killing in a church. Why not do that closer to the border? Then you could go back to Mexico. Why not just do that in Mexico? Like if you just want to kill everyone in a church. Yeah, I, I hear Mexico has churches. They have a lot of churches. It turns <laughs> you know, I could be mistaken. No, I think it's a good <laughs> estimation, Tom. Um, it seems like they probably do have a lot of churches. There's a part of this article, too, at the bottom. It says, Jesus advises his di- disciples to sell their cloak and buy a sword. He instructed his people to be prepared to defend themselves. I'm thinking, okay, well, where's your sword? And, yeah. and if you don't have a cloak, how do you conceal weapon the sword? <laughs> but it always looks like those guys have huge erections. What's yeah. going on in that church? <laughs> Nothing. We Nothing don't have a sword in our pants. Nothing. We are not hiding swords. Pork swords. Pork. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we got a questions, Tom. A ton of questions got sent to Hillbilly God, and uh, Hillbilly God got right on it. So we're going to play a, a clip of Hillbilly God answering all of your questions. Remember that you can send a question to dissonance.podcast at gmail.com and, uh, and ask Hillbilly God a question. Hi, y'all. This is Hillbilly God coming at y'all with a big bucket full of mail. First one's from Pete. Dear God, how's Jesus doing? Well, Pete, after crossing the border in a papoose as an infant, Jesus never went to school. He got a job with his parents picking vegetables for a dollar an hour. Later, his mom died from malnutrition, which is fine. If and she did go to the hospital, she would have just taken all that free health care meant for red-blooded American citizens. Also, I don't think he pronounces his name Jesus. I think it's more like, hey, Zeus. You know, you say it like you're calling out another mythical godlike creature. Hey, Zeus! Here's another one. Dear God, can you send me an earthquake? Jill. Well, Jill, I certainly can, providing you're near a natural fault line. Heck, if in yarn, I'll send you one next week. Hope you like it. John asks, since homosexuality is a big problem with humanity, wouldn't it make the most sense to attack the West Coast? All in good time, John. All in good time. Also, the more I anger the God-fearing folk among you, the sooner they kill all the gays for me. And that's really what I want. Peter asks, If you talk only to believers, who is it talking to everyone else who believes in a different God, like Muslims and Hindus? They're rivals, Peter. Dirty, camel-riding rivals. And let me tell you something. It doesn't come from me, Ronald Reagan, or Glenn Beck. It's from Satan. Here's another. God, my baby was born premature and he survived. Everyone says it's a miracle and that you helped him through. Why didn't you just let me go full term? Elena. Well, Elena, it's because women are contractually obligated to suffer. Look, you got an apple out of the deal. Quit your whining. Here's the last one. Dear Elohim, can you write my term paper for me? 
Jacob, Rhode Island. No, Jacob, turns out I ain't all that good at writing. I could kill your professor for you, though. Let me know if that'll work out for you. Anywho, that's all the mail I got for now. Be sure to write me, or I'll smite thee. So we're going to take a break and give you all the information that you need to find us on Facebook, to send us email, leave us voicemail, find us on Twitter, and we're also posting now to Google+, so you can check us out there. We'll return in just a moment for the rest of the show. Want to contact Cognitive Dissonance? Visit them on Facebook. You can find the link at the website dissonancepod.com or type it in the Facebook search bar. Be sure to follow the guys on Twitter. Their handle is at dissonance underscore pod. The guys also post to Google Plus now, too, so check them out there. And if you'd like to email them, you can do so at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment on the blog at their webpage or give them a call at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Long-distance rates apply. And to everyone who listens, shares, retweets, or rates the show... Cognitive Dissonance would like to cordially thank you for all of your fucking support. So this story is from the HuffingtonPost.com. Um, the Mormon Church uh, must have found some more golden tablets or whatever. That's great. That is great. The golden uh, tablets is great. The uh, calls for compassion toward gays. They're recognizing now that homosexuality is not a choice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the interesting things about Mormonism is they, they keep figuring out, fuck, we are wrong about that. And then they just revise. Well, they're young enough to do that. Right. They are very young, and they definitely can do it. They don't have thousands of years of dogma uh, yet behind anything, so the right. momentum is less you know, behind any of that nonsense. So they basically took the big red pen, and they struck out homosexuality as a choice, but they left in the part where doing anything homosexual is uh, sinful. Baby steps, and, uh, Tom. Wrong. Baby, Baby steps. steps. Baby yeah. steps. It says here, I'm going to read from this uh, Huffington Post article. It says, the experience of, and this is the official statement on their website. So this is the official Mormon statement. The experience of same-sex attraction is a complex reality for many people. The attraction itself is not a sin, but acting on it is a sin. Uh, even though uh, individuals do not choose to have such attractions. They choose how to respond to them. With love and understanding, the church reaches to all God's children, including our gay and lesbian brothers and sisters. Uh, so basically they're saying it's, it's a natural condition to be gay, but when you act on it, uh, you, are, you are committing a sin. So I got to ask now, is having a hair lip fixed, is that a sin? Is... Being left-handed and continuing to be left-handed, is that a sin? Is having asthma and not treating it a sin? I don't understand. Where, how are you making this distinction? Uh, you know, if I'm double-jointed and I never fucking move my elbow past a certain area, is that not a sin then? <laughs> like, I really don't. I, 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 something is natural. It's natural. You are. They're saying it. I mean, they're Tom, they're fucking saying yeah, it's natural. Right. And right. then they're saying in the same breath, but acting on it is a sin. I don't fucking understand that at all. That's because it's maddeningly obtuse. Um, how could you possibly understand it? What you're, you're saying that if this is natural, then it's from God, right? If, if I fall into a theistic worldview, all that is natural comes from God. So I have recognized that, you know, homosexuality and the drive to uh, engage in homosexual activity because it's just sexual activity, 
um, is from God. But somehow it's sinful to do it. So you can, I mean, what a dick God would have to be, right? So, okay, I'm born, no fault of my own, and uh, I'm, I'm here, and instead of being attracted to women, I'm attracted to men. And I want to have sex with men because I'm a sexual being, because we're all sexual beings. Um, but for some reason, you get to have a sex life, and that's cool. I don't get to have a sex life. And although my urges to engage in homosexual sex are natural and from God, acting on them is unnatural and sinful? What the fuck? You got, that means that God is basically putting homosexuals on that planet to torture them, to deny them, to uh, you know, constantly challenge them um, and make sure that they never have meaningful, satisfying sexual relationships with other people, that they can never experience you know, the bond of, of marriage fully, right? I mean, they, they, they can't it's a, it, it, that, that creates a torturous worldly existence. For homosexuals, it's somehow worse. Yeah, I think you know what I do think though is that this is a this is this is how progress works. This is the way progressive thinking works. When we have uh, this this church who was you know pushing for Proposition Eight, backed funding for Proposition Eight in a huge way, and now they're saying, you know what? We're not interested in doing that anymore. Here's a public statement from our official church. Uh, that's a big deal. It yeah, really it is. is a big deal. And it shows us that within, I think, within our lifetimes, we're going to look back on this the same way I think the people that are in their 60s and 70s are looking back on the times of segregation in our in our country and the civil rights movement that happened thereafter and saying, of course, that was going to happen. Of course, that was and and there we're going to be the only ones who remember this. Kids are going to grow up later on that aren't even going to remember that homosexuals couldn't get married. They're gonna they're gonna be like, oh, it didn't even happen in my lifetime. And I think that's a great thing. I, th I hope that this momentum keeps growing. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. See, so this story is super weird. This is from the Huffington Post. It's actually from their weird news. Um, Exorcist hotline created by Catholic Church in Milan. More priests available to drive demons out. <laughs> I fucking love it. They actually set up a hotline for people to call in. It's like 1-800-EXORCISM, man. It really is a phone number you call. I can't help but think of that scene. It's like, hello, Ghostbusters, please hold. Hello, Ghostbusters, please hold. <laughs> We got another priest falling down the stairs again. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're running out of priests. <laughs> we're running out of priests. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, really, let's be honest. I mean, I think, you know, aren't priests getting into a lot of trouble about how they handle their own acto gun? You know what I mean? <laughs> I think... <laughs> I can't wait the for the problem is when they cross the streams, yeah, you know, well, that's hey the, now. They that's only do that with a youngin, it turns out. <laughs> uh, what 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 I want is a drive-through exorcism. 
That's what I want. Nice. Now they've got the hotline, so you could call and order your exorcism 30 minutes or less. But what I want is I would like somebody to have a drive through So you walk in, and there's like a guy with that little sprayer shaking the holy water on you. He says a couple words, and then you just go on. That's the end of your. That's it. That's the end of your day. I, I actually think that they should have a set it and forget it. Set it exorcism. <laughs> Like where you go in and and you like stand in like a giant rotisserie yeah. and hold on to the handles and it just spins you around like a spray tan yeah. booth, showering Why you not? with holy water or whatever the priest's sure. yeah, liquid of choice with, is. Yeah, they might shower yeah. you with something golden. golden. Yeah. Welcome to our golden shower of exorcism. Hey, yeah. I don't think this is legitimate. <laughs> It Something. says here, it's, <laughs> I don't think this is legitimate. Uh, it says here, uh, and on Huffington Post, it says, a special switchboard has been set up where people can call Monday through Friday between 2.30 and 5 p.m. for all their exorcism needs. And I wonder, <laughs> is this like the poison control hotline where they're like, okay, what I need you to do is go get your Bible and a crucifix. Okay, I want you to right. hold them down. Just hold them onto the bed. I want you to, now I want you to make them drink a glass of milk. Okay, now have them sit, sit back. You know, like, what? Well, how does that work? Like, what is the what is the the exorcism hotline? Is that just is it just like a Domino's delivery system? I, I you know I see a whole host of do it yourself business opportunities here. Sure, you know because if you can call in and and talk to the priest over the phone and he can help you exercise your shit over the phone, I don't see any reason why you can't sell kits. Right, you know your your do it yourself uh, home exorcism kits. Right. You know, they come with, like, you open it up, and it's like, in case of demon, break glass. (laughs) No, they're DVD instructional videos, like P90 Exorcism. (laughs) P90 Exorcism. (laughs) Hey, oh, that's awesome. Uh, I I like this part, too, where it says, uh, this guy's name, this Italian name, this... Marcioni suggests that uh, that <laughs> that's actually how he pronounces it. He that was not an exaggeration. Contractually obligated to make that exact exclamation when he says it. Um, suggests that a rise in exorcist calls have something to do with the number of parents having discipline problems with their children. And I say that's because they're having demon sex. I mean, if they weren't that's having it. the demon sex, like we found out about last week, they would not be having exorcism problems. Dirty, dirty demon, demon sex. sex. They should clearly not be sparing. There must be sparing the rod too yeah. much. Send them into in into priest's care. That's what you want to do. Send your children into the to the to the loving arms of the protecting priest. <laughs> They'll definitely yeah. take care of that. Your kids will come out hollowed eyed and dead inside. Yeah. It's great. It's <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I want to read again from this article. It says last year. Uh, Am- Ar- Amorth? I don't know. If, is that his name? Amorth? Last Amorth. year, Amorth uh, insisted that sex abuse scandals in the Roman Catholic Church prove that the devil is at work inside the Vatican, according to the Independent. Amorth also previously stated that practicing yoga is satanic. It leads to evil... Uh, just like reading Harry Potter, in Harry Potter, the devil acts in a crafty and covert manner under the guise of extraordinary powers, magic spells, and curses. Did he just fucking compare diddling children to yoga and Harry Potter? I think I think he definitely did. I, you know, yoga and Harry Potter. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, it's okay. You know, hey, we're fucking. Yeah, we got our hands down a fucking kid's drawers over here, but <laughs> God forbid he reads fucking Harry Potter while we're molesting him. <laughs> Here you go. This will distract you. And I hope you're flexible. Yeah. I've been doing yoga in preparation. <laughs> Remember <It's>, your breathing. <laughs> all right. I'm going to need you to do downward facing dog. And, uh, <laughs> oh, no.
Right now, we are lucky enough to be joined by a representative from Doctors Without Borders. Uh, doctor, could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Uh, my name is Adi Nadampali. Um, I'm a physician mainly working in New Orleans, but since 2005, I've been out in the field numerous times with Doctors Without Borders, um, living in Liberia, Sri Lanka, Mozambique, um, Nigeria, Malawi. And since that time, I've also become um, a board member of the United States Doctors Without Borders, and I'm currently the vice president. But my my general self-identity is as a clinician in Doctors Without Borders, and my favorite thing is still to go back into the field and um, take care of patients and work with our staff and with the uh, other members of our team and try and figure out the best ways to take care of the people. I guess the first thing, uh, can you just tell us our, and our listeners specifically, because they're the ones who, I mean, we really just facilitated this. Our listeners are amazing. And what they did was donate uh, at this point, uh, $6,200. It's going to be $6,500 when Tom and I kick in. We're hoping that before this this drive ends, we can get up to $7,000 to donate to Doctors Without Borders. This is really just all our listeners' generosity. What? Wh- how does that money get used uh, that is donated to Doctors Without Borders? The simple answer is it goes to our field work and to our patients. One of the reasons I continue to work with this organization was after my first mission, I saw how when you're living in the field, uh, the money that gets sent from donors all across the world and, you know, thankfully from donors like your listeners, we spend it on the money that patients need for medicines, on the structures of the hospitals, on our staff that comes from the countries we work in. And the really kind of, kind of, um, hardening thing for me working for this organization is that we don't charge our patients anything. And so whether it's in a uh, trauma hospital in southern Nigeria where I worked last year, from the time the patient comes to the emergency room, um, to the surgeries they get, the medicines, including the food that they eat in the hospital, um, the nursing care, everything is free up to the point that they get their rehab after they've broken a bone and um, their surgery is finished and they need to refunction their limbs. And this goes in all of our projects, whether it's the vaccines that you get, the malaria treatments, the HIV treatments. Um, there's obviously some administrative costs, but the vast majority of the money goes directly into the field, into the care of the patients and the staff who takes care of them. As, as a doctor in the field, what is it like uh, working there uh, under under certain conditions? Like I'm I'm thinking of Liberia, which is a a pretty um, I I want to say uh, underprivileged nation. Uh, what is it like living in living and working in Liberia, and what are the conditions that you have to work in? It's the essence of why a lot of us go into the medical field. Um, it's completely stripped of. Um, the the kind of insurance and um, peripherals of medicine. And while I would never say that there's less total frustration, the frustrations that we have are thoroughly worth it. Meaning when you're treating patients in the field, you're not worried whether an insurance company is going to prior authorize a treatment or a medicine or whether your consultant <laughs> will come or not. Um, you're basically just worried about the patient in front of you. And 
it's a different type of medicine because there's not as many diagnostic tests. There's not availabilities of CAT scan machines or MRIs or large laboratories. And so just speaking and trying to get a history from a patient and then doing your very um, thorough and basic physical exam helps make a diagnosis. And this level of medicine, while still frustrating, is still far more um, uh, satisfying and, and kind of circles back to the, the kind of reason that we go into medicine, which is just that one-on-one relationship with your patient. Um, and, and the other thing is that the staff that we work in in all of our missions, a lot of almost 90% of each of our teams comes from the countries we work in. They're almost uniformly amazing. And so it's like Liberia, I was in a field where um, it was quite far to the north and the west of the country, which had been um, affected a lot by the 20-year civil war. And this was, I had gone there in 2005. And at that point, there was no electricity, no running water, no um, cell phone coverage. And we had a hospital of about 30 beds taking care of adults and children with malaria, uh, tuberculosis, diarrheal diseases, any types of trauma that we could. And there's this implicit relationship with you and the staff and the patients that you're going to try your best, um, do as much as possible, but there are limitations and the I mean, we don't do it for the gratitude, but it is still amazing to see the gratitude from the the local uh, people who live there and from the staff. And it's really a, a wonderful emotional experience as a professional to go through that type of medical experience. I was reading about Doctors Without Borders, and they're not a, a religious charity. They're not a governmental charity. Uh, there's many times that you will help people on both sides of a conflict. Yeah. Um, what, what is that like? It's necessary. Um, we can talk about specific examples, but you know whether it's in the Congo or um, in other countries where there's multiple armed groups or two very strong armed groups going against each other, we don't take positions on the actual politics or the conflict. What we are is an independent humanitarian medical organization with no uh, bias towards any religion or race. And and the main idea of that is that what we want to do is have access to people who need health care, whether it's trauma, health care, or vaccinations. And the easiest way for us to do that is to be very forthright about our own independence, that we're not affiliated with a government or with a military or with any east side and we negotiate our access to the patients who need it with all sides of an armed conflict. And our basic request to them is, we're not here for any other purpose except to treat that one patient or treat that group of patients. So please let us in. And the, and the fact that we dissociate ourselves from any one side actually gives us the greatest power to work with each side and allowing us to treat the patients that need it. Doctor, uh, I just want to thank you for, obviously, thank you, you and Doctors Without Borders for the work that you do. M- giving you money is the least that we can do, and uh, and we're so happy that you do the work you do. So thank you for joining us today. No, thank you. And uh, honestly, thank you, guys. Um, a lot of the work in the field really, it does cost money, 
And it would absolutely not be able to be done without the generosity of people like your listeners and other donors around the world who just give us money and um, allow us to do the work, I think, which is very high quality. So Carlos sent us an email, Tom, that I don't know that we can read. Um, yeah. It's kind Carlos of, has a, a habit of this. Yeah, Carlos does a lot of things. That, so we're not going <laughs> to read it, but I will say at the end, he says, Tom, well, could, you, could you just read the last line before he says, Te amo? <laughs> you guys rock. I love your podcast. And yeah, I get my dick sucked when I listen to it. Carlos, I want to say, I just want to point out, just because you're flexible doesn't technically mean you're getting your dick sucked. That doesn't, <laughs> you can't. I just wanted to point that out. But other than that, thanks for the email, Carlos. We're happy that you sent it, even if we can't really read it. Nothing to brag about when it's your own face. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not. Uh, uh, I mean, you'd have a good career, though. You could probably get a good career going out of that. <laughs> Webcams for yeah, you. <laughs> absolutely. Um, somebody asks, uh, Jan asks, uh, wondering how many takes does it take the woman reading that segment of the show uh, for Conservapedia uh, without busting out in laughter or exploding anger. That segment, we normally record for about 10 minutes uh, because she has to stop. She's either laughing or she'll just stop and look up at me like with a quizzical look on her face. <laughs> what is, what am I reading? She would, it's, it's pretty funny. So the outtakes for that are no, normally generally very funny. I picture her cocking her head to the side like a dog who doesn't understand the command. All the time, Tom. You have no idea. I should videotape one of the, one of the actual readings one time. We got an email from uh, a line. I don't know. Is that how do you say that? Uh, I, I, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a line, right? I think so. I think it's a line or Aline. I, Aline. I'm not Let's sure. say Aline. Yeah. Um, Aline is a uh, 35-year-old African-American woman who grew up in Africa as a Catholic and now lives in Canada. That's covering all the bases, I, I think. That's spectacular. Yeah, that's great. That hits... That, that covers a minimum of three countries and two continents for us. <laughs> it's awesome. It's great. Thank you so much. She's the most so efficient much. listener we've ever had. Yeah, it was a great email. Thank you for sending it, and we're happy that you listen. We got proof this week from both Moscow and China, and I'm going to post the, uh, the one from China for this episode. I'll put it as one of the, one of the uh, images on this episode. Uh, it'll be on the blog. But I posted the other one to Facebook where the person uh, posted his, uh, his, his message for us uh, from Moscow, uh, I, I posted it on Facebook so you can find it there. It's a very funny image. Thank you guys for sending it. Tom, we got another deconversion email. Do you want to read Devin's email? Yes. Uh, Devin sent us an email. Thank you, Tom and Cecil. I don't know if this will get airtime on the podcast, but if it did, that would be g- pretty awesome. I just want to say thanks. You were a crucial element in my deconversion. While I was still on the fence about religion and God, you helped tip me over by teaching me to laugh at ridiculous beliefs, including my own sometimes. You showed me just how crazy I was and how far down the rabbit hole I'd fallen. Thank you so much. Words can't express my appreciation. Uh, P.S. Then there's a series of fuck. (laughs) Keep up the blasphemy, my friends. You make my day, Devin. Thanks, Devin. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you you know, your great email makes up for that horrifying picture. (laughs) The picture on his email is, that's nothing to go to sleep after seeing. (laughs) You don't want to look at that before you go to bed, that's for sure. Tom, Marie asks a question about us, about Doctors Without Borders here. She does. Um, She says she can't give $1,000. Will $10 help? Everything helps. Um, I I think we've said this before. Um, That's money to an awesome charity. Of course it helps. Anything you can give. Um, if it's five bucks, that's spectacular. 
If you're in a position to give five or ten dollars, give five or ten dollars to Doctors Without Borders because they're good people doing good work across the world for people who fucking need it. Yeah, there's no reason not to, unless, of course, this is taking money out of your food right. or something. You know, obviously, if this is your video game budget, give some money. There's no reason why you shouldn't. Uh, if this is your, uh, I buy a latte with this every day, instead I'm going to save it up for a month to uh, to give it to Doctors Without Borders, I think that's worthwhile. To deprive yourself of a latte for a day or two or three or four or a month and then send us send send that money to Doctors Without Borders, uh, that's going to help somebody out. That's not just going to help somebody out. That's going to help a lot of people Absolutely. out. Absolutely. So, so, uh, so making that sacrifice in your own budget is great. Uh, if you can't afford it, don't give any money. Now, we got a bunch of emails, especially this week. A lot of people have been asking Tom about Everyone's a Critic. Uh, Everyone's a Critic was the old show we did. We stopped paying for the server that Everyone's a Critic was on. It was costing us $20 a month, and uh, and we were finding that you know probably about maybe 100 episodes or so were being downloaded a month. It was a pathetic amount of people were downloading them. So we just decided that it just wasn't in the money. We decided we weren't going to keep paying for it. Uh, we, p- we pay every month for our website costs. Uh, our domain name, and for uh, Libsyn to host dissonance, uh, cognitive dissonance. So we didn't want to have to pay another extra $20 a month for something else that people weren't really listening to. So a lot of people are looking for those. They, they exist, but they're, I'm trying to find space to put them. Somebody suggested, though, that we put them up in a, in a Dropbox account or a Google Drive and share the link. The problem with the, sh- the, dr- the Drive sharing the link is if you put it in Drive, people try to download it, it can get overloaded, and they don't like that. But Dropbox, I don't think, has that restriction. So I'm going to pop them up on Dropbox this week um, if I get time. It's just it's just a matter of time at this point. I'll try to load them into Dropbox and then put in um, links, and I'll make one big post on our blog about it, one big giant post that basically says, here's the uh, all the old everyone's a critics, and then you can go there and download them individually. Uh, but we'll see if that happens. But we, people are interested, Tom. So I don't know why, but they're interested. Well, that's because they haven't heard the show. Yeah, you know? kidding. And as usual, I'll do nothing and take half the credit. Right, yeah. right. Well, here we go. So we got uh, we got believing in science. At the, uh, a bunch of people have sent sent us uh, some stuff about this, but this one in particular, I think, does touch on something that we we should have covered. Uh, And this is from Gary. Gary says, you did miss one major other point. Unlike religion, parts of science can be demonstrated to be false. This happens all the time when science theories or scientific papers are proven incorrect. But unlike religion, when part of the science is proven wrong, this proof has no effect on the science as a whole. A new theory or new paper is presented to correct the science, and science simply moves on. It's very, very true. Thank you for pointing it out. We didn't mention it last time. Very good point, Gary. Tom, we got an email from David. Why don't you read David's email? I've been listening to the show for a while now, and obviously... Obviously, I like it or I would have unsubscribed by now. A couple of things do bug me, though. One is the ad hominem attacks, which, while they are amusing, don't add anything to the discussion. The other is that your take on things is very Amerocentric. How could it not be, I suppose? But it assumes that the American way of life is exemplary, a viewpoint that is patently unsupportable when you have so many Christian fundamentalists, other kinds of God-botherers, and the fact that a believer in some science-fictional God could have become your president. I refer, of course, to the Storm and Mormon. So guys, a little less of the big, fat, ugly rednecks with extreme body odor and more concentration on the facts of the argument. Uh, well, first, I want to say I'd love an example of an ad hominem attack because an ad hominem is a logical fallacy. So what that means is I, I attack someone. I would say something like 
Pastor Hagee has giant jowls and looks like a fucking human walrus and is a fucking completely despicable human being. Therefore, he is wrong about what he says about homosexuals. Um, I'd love to see an example of that because if I did do that in the past, I think I was being ironic more than anything else. Um, I don't think that we do that. I think we do make fun of people. Oh, yes, we do. But I don't think we make fun of people to prove a point. I think we make fun of people because we like to laugh. I don't think that it's, it's, the, it's, it's focusing on an argument. If I have to tell you, a listener of this show, any of the things normally that we're talking about, like you know, beating your child until they die is wrong because uh, not praying over your child is, uh, until they die when they have a, a, a serious medical condition is wrong because diddling children is wrong because uh, lying to your congregation about you being a holy person and you uh, wind up being a despicable person is wrong because then I think you're listening to the wrong show. Um, we don't do that. I think that everybody who listens to this show should understand why all the things that we talk about are wrong. Occasionally, we'll get into one or two things that are in the skeptical worldview that we might work a little bit on, but mostly we're not telling you why something, arguing for a particular point of view. Yeah, this is an editorial show. Um, I, it, it, this email suggests that you wish the show was a different show, um, that we focused on uh, the, the merits of, of two different arguments and presented their sides and favored one in a persuasive, argumentative fashion. That's not the show. This is an, this is an editorial show. Um, that's, what it's, that's what its aim is. Its aim is to amuse. Um, if it also educates, great, but its aim is primarily to amuse. Um, so, you know, the idea that like, well, you know, this isn't, you know, in a strict debate format or, you know, the both sides of the argument aren't fairly presented or you're, you know, not breaking down point by point the, you know, why somebody is wrong to burn a witch. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're never going to do that. That's not what we're aiming to do. That's not this show. That, that There are plenty of shows that do that. Absolutely. And you're, Absolutely. they will be easy for you to find. Also, the American-centric viewpoint, we get this a lot. Um, one, we are Americans. So it's hard for us to... I can't put myself into an Australian mind uh, viewpoint. I can't put myself into a English viewpoint. I certainly can't put myself into into a, you know a Russian or a Chinese viewpoint. I don't have those abilities. Uh, I am a just a human being, and then I I am a product of my environment too. I live in the United States, but I don't know that we've if if we've ever made a, a joke about America being the best country. That was a joke. That was clearly a joke because we constantly see i mean i look at australia uh, you know a, a woman atheist prime minister that's fucking awesome that is that is a country i aspire to be so if you got from our show that we somehow think that you know it's cool that mitt romney was running for president i don't i don't know where you got i have that. no idea either I, I don't think that we've ever put forth the idea that um america is the uh, the greatest country on the planet or anything and we've that I, I can't imagine where that could I mean, have maybe, come maybe from. Maybe if we're being ironic, yeah, I guess. We're very but critical I, I, of our yeah. policies, our, our religious institutions. I mean, did you not notice that? Yeah. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I guess not. We want to thank you for listening, right. though, David. Yeah, thank you for listening. Um, and, and if you're looking for a show that that is what you sent us in the email – uh, you know, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of great shows out there. Atheist Experience, I think, is probably one of the better ones for focusing in on the arguments. If you're interested in arguments, 
I would go to Atheist Experience. I think that's probably a very good show Great to show. follow. Yep, absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for a uh, exciting episode. Very exciting. From the best country on earth, Tom, <laughs> United States of America, uh, that, I mean, we just, we fucking curb stomp every country in the United States. Uh, uh, <laughs> we curb, curb stomp every country in the world. Uh, we're pretty amazing, it turns out. Uh, and we ourselves, Tom, we are both uh, amazing Americans. We are examples well, of what an American should be, right? We're, we're amazing because we're Americans. Like, we start <laughs> off amazing because of our Americanness. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Let's. Uh, we should. We should skip the skeptics' creed and just play Lee Greenwood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Proud to be an American. <laughs> uh, you know what I am going to do though this week. I don't know that we are going to end with the skeptics' creed because I want to play everybody's voicemail who said what the actual fuck conservapedia. Cool. So I think in lieu of the skeptics' creed, uh, we are just going to play all of those of those voicemails back to back of people who sent in a voicemail that said, what the actual fuck, Conservapedia. We want to thank everybody for participating in that. And we're going to leave you with that this week. Awesome. What the actual fuck, Conservapedia? What the actual fuck, Conservapedia? What the actual fuck, Conservapedia? Conservapedia. Come on, man. What the actual fuck, Conservapedia? 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 Huh? The actual flying fuck, Conservapedia? What the actual 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 Fuck Conservapedia. What the fuck? What the actual fucking fuck fuck is this Conservapedia bullshit? What the what? 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 Fuck man, come on. Um, hi, this is Esme and I'm calling because <clears throat> I just read your um, uh, Facebook post to call and say, um, what the actual fuck Conservapedia? And I would have just called and said that, but um, I wanted to leave a message. And my message is that <clears throat> I know that this was a while ago, but um, somebody uh, left a um, an iTunes uh, message or an iTunes, you know, um, um, what's it called? Oh, Esme. Um, oh, God, um, oh, I'm so annoyed. Anyway, um, an iTunes description or a vote or whatever, and I'm just blanking right now, that said that you guys sh shouldn't laugh so much and that you laugh too much. And although you guys had a, a perfectly good response, 
that when I heard him say that, it made me angry. I was angry. Like, literally, I, I was scared that you guys might take him seriously. Because my favorite thing about your show is how much you guys seem to enjoy making it. And it makes me feel not so guilty that I've only pledged, like, $25 and listened to your show so many, many times. Anyway, I love you guys. And what the actual fuck, Conservapedia? The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council.